Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. God bless, God bless, the young man went from God's worldwide ministry. We thank God for another beautiful and wonderful day to be here still in his kingdom. Um, this afternoon, we open up the doors to invite the Take the Mask Off with our host, Sakanya Ford. And we welcome everyone for coming to join us at we're looking to have an exciting time. Listen to our host uh, interview her guest this this afternoon. So with that, we ain't going to hold you too long. We're going to get right on the ball. We're just going to hold you And then we'll turn it over to uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Father God, Father God, God. Now, now, we thank you for giving us up this morning. One time, we thank you for blessing our mind, body, souls, and our spirit. And we come in the most humble way we know how afternoon and ask Father God to open us up to be able to hear what we need to hear and be able to enjoy the conversation that our host, uh, Lady Satanya Ford, should have with her guests. Father God, we just ask that you sit with us this afternoon, Father God, for we look for your, the comfort of, of your loving, caring self to be with us one more time. Father God, we thank you for the things you have done, you shall do, and you will do. But most of all, we just thank you for being God all by yourself. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bind any spirits that may come against this line in any form, fashion, or way, Father God. And we rebuke them right now in the name of Jesus. Father God, we thank you for all the words that have been spoken. And we ask that you just bless us continuously. Again, we thank everyone for joining us. At this time, we're going to turn it over to our host, Lady Natalia Ford. Thank you, uh, Pastor Carpenter, for um, inviting us on again to uh, taking out the mask. Um, We started our fourth season on your show with the Pregnant by the Pastor Awareness Movement. And from that, we have received, you know, so many different uh, people reaching out to tell their story. But uh, so many people, you know, had so many different stories, so we had to 
uh, we started a show called Taking Out the Mask on the Sasanya Ford Show. Uh, we started started a production on it, but um, this is our second week doing it on the radio blog talk show. So for that, I'm grateful because God is always increasing. And um, today we have Evangelist Arlena Weaver on the show, and um, she has a powerful uh, book. I have read it. It's called Who Will Wipe My Tears Away? Reading that book, I um, felt like I was kind of walking beside her being invisible, you know, on her journey. And uh, it was a few times where I had to stop and pause for a second and pace the floor because it was so much to digest. But in the book, I also learned a lot uh, because a lot of things were um, awareness was being brought to in a lot of different areas, you know, especially people that has children and are raising girls. Um, A lot of things uh, in the book kind of, you know, in life we learn from a lot of people's experiences so we can take heed and know what to what to uh, how to go about handling things and what to watch for. So with that being said, I welcome uh, Evangelist Erlina Weaver. Could someone mute their phone because we're gonna we got SOS. Oh, okay. hello. Hello, okay. everyone. Hello, hello. This is Evangelist Weaver. Thank you again for having me on your show again, um, Fantastic Board and um, Bishop. I really appreciate it and honored to be here. Okay. Hello. All right. And um, so today we wanted to kind of start off like last week when um, – Sister Arlena uh, has some words of encouragement for all the book writers out there because there's so many people that want to begin writing. And keep in mind, like, when you're telling your story and it's so profound and so, um, uh, you know, such an experience, you know, um, you don't never know who uh, you're able to give a breakthrough Who's going to receive a breakthrough from yeah. your story? And yeah. so, deliverance is always taking place. Healing is always taking place, and so forth. And you know, when you don't move forward in the things that you know you're being led to do, then you're hindering someone else. And uh, so, I want to uh, have Sister Erling, Erlina to um, you know give some encouraging words on you know. Her writing, because she has a book, she has a play, and she has a movie. So, Sister Arlena, could you give the uh, audience some um, uh, encouraging words on writing their books or what have you? Yes, I would. Um, And if you don't mind, I just want to address um, one thing. I I truly want to thank and give God the praise and give him the honor on this this afternoon because, you know, it's... You know, it's a lot of things that we can't talk about inside the body of Christ, inside the church, where, you know, where this is a great thing to have um, radio shows like this so people can be able to 
um, that's a shame of telling their story or being able to talk about things that they've been through, that they're able to come to something like this and be able to listen to one another or be able to express and ask questions. So I just want to give honor on today for God opening up both your heart and Bishop heart to have such a thing like this um, taken off the mask is what it's about. And I'm going to start about how I had to take off my mask. And when you start, um, God had been, you know, when I was young, I started writing. So I know a lot of you that's listening probably been writing when you were young. And sometimes you know how you used to keep a diary. Um, I used to keep a diary um, of all the abuse and all the things that I had to endure. I wrote down the bad things. I wrote down the good things. Um, This is exactly where God has started me off in writing, but I didn't know that's what it was. But I would just write down because it was a diary, and I would just keep my secrets in a diary. But to encourage you how to be able to express yourself and be able to I find writing is a exercise for relaxation, for deliverance, for healing, for breakthrough. Because when you're writing things down and you're you too scared to really talk to people about or ashamed to talk to other people about what you've been through, when you're writing it down and you read what you've been through, it kind of gives you a refreshing of you don't even know that you're being healed in the midst of it. And this is how God used me. He used people in different type of ways, but he used me in this way. So what I encourage you to do, if you got a story, tell it. It might not be today, and it might not be tomorrow, and it might not be next year, but if you have something that can help someone else and help them go through and be able to be delivered as God has delivered you, then you do that because even yourself can be delivered in the midst of that. Even if you're not feeling that you are delivered from it and you're still holding on to some things, write it down, read it to yourself, and allow God to minister to you out of the words he allowed you to write down. And that's how God did me. Um, a lot of us have family members or people that um, we are, we scared to share things because you, we don't want to expose them. But you don't have to expose their name because, let me tell you something, God will expose them himself, and they would expose themselves because you don't have to use their name. And this is how I did it. I wrote down my story, but I used um, other people's names, but I wrote down the events that happened to me. Well, you know, the people that know that they did me wrong knew it was about them. So, of course, you know, you're going to get that. But I encourage you to stand, continue writing, Tell your story. Someone, the word of God tells us that we overcome by one another testimony. So your testimony means a lot. God allowed you to go through whatever you went through. If it's a bad marriage, if it was a a, um, a childhood experience, um, if you was adopted or if you were in foster homes or if you was in domestic violence or whatever it is, it is a testimony for you to share, whether it's on the pulpit in a pencil, on the street, in a counseling session, um, in a group, on this line, it's worth telling it. So that's what I encourage people to do, and that's how I'm able to get through some of the things. So I'll allow you to say whatever else you need to say, Ms. Santonia, so we can, um, because I don't want to go ahead of the show. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, that that was awesome. 
and uh, you cover pretty much all the bases because writing is a cleansing. And, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, when a person um, is uh, having been delivered from something, then writing is a healing formula because a lot of times people call me and tell me I had to stop because I was crying. And I'm like, no, keep writing because when you cry, you know, there's pretty much going to be the most, the audience is going to feel it. They're going to feel your pain. They're going to feel your whatever. I said, that's going to be pretty much the most anointed part of the book. You know, you're going to touch somebody right there, those emotions. And so I uh, always advise people to keep writing, you know, keep writing throughout the whole process. You know, if you have to take a break or whatever, but go back and sit down and continue to write because, you know, they're still healing from some things themselves. But, um, my sister, you wrote the book, Who Will Wipe My Tears Away? Yeah. Uh, you uh, wrote the uh, play. What was the name of the play? Who Will Wipe My Tears Away. The the play was called that, too? Yes, the play was called that, too. And then you, wanted, and then you wrote the movie, Angry Tears. And then the movie, Angry Tears, based off of Who Will Wipe My Tears Away. Okay, and so at what point did you, when did you start writing, when did you release the book? I released the book back in 2010. That's when I was, uh, I released the book. Um, it started a long time ago. I I was writing down ever since 1998, I started mm-hmm. writing the book. But God didn't allow it to be released, and he didn't allow me to give, you know, turn it in yet because it wasn't finished. Because as I was writing it, um, there were still some pieces being missing um, out of my life that I didn't know. One of them was I still had no forgiveness in my heart um, for my mother, um, for my um, uncles that abused me for my mother for abandoning me. So mm-hmm. how could, you know, and when I look back on it, I say, thank you, God, because I would have been misrepresenting something when I still have unforgiveness in my heart. So God had to work on me first before mm-hmm. I was able to release the book in 2010. And I'm glad you brought that up because those type of things do happen. When um, so, you know, I remember when I had written my book, and I'm 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 sharing this part because there are writers out there, there um, are you know, just in case they experience this, um, I was hindered because what I didn't know is I was still living it out. Okay, yeah. so I had to pause for a minute. I was frustrated because I didn't know what was going on, but yeah. what happened was people. I started reaching out to editors because I thought I was finished, but I was running to the wrong people, okay? And so, but when the time came, I realized more things are happening for me to continue to write. So that's when I realized what was going on. Yes. Uh-huh. So um, you had brought up, you know, uh, some situations. Now we can kind of go off into your story um, you had released the book in 2010, and that's when, how did you know, you know, that you was going to be writing a book, or did you just feel led to, or did somebody prophesy to you, or you just had an inkling, you know, a good feeling? 
<laughs> it, it's so funny because, you know, like I said, people be ashamed of certain things that they have done to you or been mm-hmm. through themselves. My mother encouraged me, the woman that um, wow. abused me, the woman that neglected me, the woman that um, gave me away, the woman that tried to kill me, the, <laughs> the woman that put me down is the woman that told me that I need to write my story because I need to help other women and men. Uh-huh. Wow, because, you know, I just couldn't imagine you know, her being person. Yeah. I mean, without with the experience, with the relationship that you guys have had in the past. Yes. Yeah. I, I wouldn't imagine that she would be the person that you know, because you know, your story is basically, yes. you know, awesome. you know. Right. Yes, it's basically was about her, and I was like, um, even though you know, but let's go back a couple minutes. the The reason why she ended up in my life is my mother became ill. She became okay. ill, and I was living in Youngstown, Ohio. And God, this is a time that I ended up really searching God and really living for the Lord. And God had ministered to me and told me that I had to go get her, and I was very angry because mm-hmm. I'm like. Go get her and take care of her. This is a woman that gave me away, tried to set the house on fire, um, tried to sell us for prostitution, um, all this up crazy stuff. And you want me to go get this woman that denied me and my brother, said that we were never her children. She didn't know us um, for years, um, mm-hmm. our whole life. Um, you mm-hmm. want me to go get this woman and care for her? And God said yes. And that was my that was the the hardest task that I ever had to do because God said through you going to get her you're going to release something that I birth I planted in you you're going to give birth to a ministry of mm. forgiveness of teaching mm-hmm. women and men how to forgive their mm. past and move forward. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I at this time I was in love with God, so I wanted to mm-hmm. be obedient because I'd been through so much in my life, and I mm-hmm. finally found peace in my life with God. So I said, God is not going to stir me wrong, so I had to go to New York, um, bring mm-hmm. my mother back to Ohio and care for her. And when she told me that, it was hard because even going to get her, bringing her back, she still was abusive mentally well, and verbally. Well, you know. Let me elaborate for a minute because yeah. we got some people that's on now that wasn't on last week. So yeah. um, we want to kind of, you know, uh, go over like, okay, you were raised by your grandmother. I was raised by my grandmother um, from the age of five years old. Um, I was raised by my grandmother to the age of 12. Um, mm-hmm. Living at my grandmother's home, this is a time that, um, my mother had walked away from me and my brother and set the house on fire. I was probably around three or four years old. My brother, I know, was six or seven. And you guys um, were saved by the fire department or something? We, or? We, we were saved by a neighbor that seen mm-hmm. the house on fire, and she um, that's when she called the fire people and said that the house was on fire, but they didn't know my mother was not in it. And my mother pimped. My mother was a prostitute, and our pimp had talked her into doing something to this, to do this, to get insurance money, and she set the house on fire. and And it's, it's something because, um, um, and I know it ain't nothing but the grace of God that we're here today. And um, 
um, that I'm here, my brother is deceased now, but um, she saved us, where we it went into the system um, until they found out who we were and our relatives, and then um, that's how we ended up with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you were with your grandmother from five on up until she passed away. Uh, yeah, no, up until 12, till she she became okay. ill. She became ill okay. um, with cancer, and um, she couldn't care for us any longer. But... Um, we started becoming troubled children. At mm-hmm. this time, my brother was running away a lot. I started being rebellious because of things that were happening in my grandmother's home, and she was turning the bl- blind eye to it and not mm-hmm. looking to see what was going on with us in the home. And this mm-hmm. where my first abuse began in my grandmother's custody. I love her, rest her soul, but um, back in the day, older people, it's, it's better to be quiet than to talk about it, or it's better to sweep it up under the rug so no one in the church will know this mm-hmm. is happening. Um, you're going to be okay. Peace. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Um, where my, I had two uncles in the home, and it was um, me and my two cousins and my sister and my brother at my living there in um, we had uncles that were coming in the room tampering with us, um, um, sexually molesting us um, practically every night, practically every night. And where it got to a point that my sister was so much younger, I didn't want nothing to happen to her. So mm-hmm. I allowed them to touch me to protect her at mm-hmm. the time. And um, the molesting, even when I would tell my grandmother things would happen because eventually it started happening to my sister and she started peeing in the bed. So mm-hmm. she would get whooping all the time because of that because she couldn't control herself. And so one day I got tired of them whooping her. I, I would ask my one of my aunts that lived there too, um, would whoop her all the time. And I would tell them something bad is happening to her, and this is why she's wet in the bed, you know. And sometimes I would try to scoot over to make it look like I did it, but my panties okay. was never wet, you know. So, right, right. But still, you know, um, when I would tell my grandmother why she peed, I remember these words my grandmother say, young boys will be boys. And they tampers and they play, but it's okay. It's nothing to get. It's nothing to talk about. It's nothing to say to other people. And this stuff was hurting because we were young. These these weren't young boys. These were eighteen year old men <laughs> to me. Eighteen, you know, you're adult to me. And we were only seven, and you know what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. and. We had to go through this to the age of 12 till I started stealing, lying, running away, and because I didn't want to stay at my grandmother's. I didn't mm-hmm. want to stay at my grandmother's anymore, so I would get in trouble. And this is when the system got involved. Um, and my me telling, I was scared to tell them because my uncles would threaten us. They were actually threatening us. If you tell, they're going to put you in a worse home and worse things are going to happen to you where they will kill you and you will never get to see your brothers, your bro- I mean your brother or your sister ever again. So this was implanted in my head from the age 7, 8, 9 
10, I will really believe if I tell anybody outside of grandma's home that mm-hmm. I would killed, I would get beat, I would never see my siblings again. So I kept this inside. This is something I started keeping inside where I wouldn't even say nothing to grandma because what the heck for? All she's going to do is take me to church and say, you better not say nothing or you're going to get tore up when you get home. Don't forget, you know, this is what the boys do, you know. So I would just, you know, this is when I started writing little things down, hiding little notes to myself uh, about how I feel and how I want to get out of this situation and who's who is this man in the sky that they call God, why he ain't seeing things, why he's not stopping things. I was writing out ever since I was eight years old, writing this stuff down. Mm. Yeah, so when we ended up um, – when everything happened, my grandmother became ill. She couldn't keep me and my brother. My brother would get into it because he would watch them do this, and he would try to save us. My brother mm-hmm. would always try to save me. Me and him was the closest, and mm-hmm. he would always try to save me um, and fight them. But he was only probably about 12 years old fighting 18-year-old boys and men. Right. And they- whoop his butt, you know, so mm-hmm. he, he will run away, I will run away, so we start becoming very troubled children. So my grandmother mm-hmm. ended up sick, and the system said that she couldn't keep us no longer because now we're labeled as troubled children and bad kids and need some type of help, you know. So mm-hmm. they didn't look at look into what was really making us do these things. They just looked at it, we were just bad kids. So at this time, I remember meeting my mother because I never knew who my mom was um, because we never seen her um, until I was 12 years old when the court had us. And she came, and the only one that she took back was my sister. She didn't want me and my brother. She wanted only the baby girl. So they gave her custody of her. She was eight years old. They gave her custody of her, and we went into the system. And this is when more abuse started coming, when I ended up in foster care um, with foster parents. I would run into what I would call them as monsters. I will say monsters because I feel when people do something bad to you and it hurts you and you're scared, I call that a monster, you know, and so mm-hmm. I would say, here I go again. Um, I remember the first foster home I was in, um, oh, God, it, it was terrible. Um, the lady had a boyfriend or um, a drunk boyfriend, um, a son, and two daughters, and me. And I remember first when I went there, I was um, going on 13 where they will just call me. I was dark-skinned. They were light-skinned. I would call black, ugly, um, nobody want me, um, you know, I'm dirt. Um, um, I'm, you know, I was called everything in the in the book. And the woman, you know, in the foster home, they already know your history. They already mm-hmm. know what happened to you when they get you. So they, you know, so what they gave them is that she's a very troubled child. She's very bad. Um, you got to watch her. She lies a lot. Um, she gets oh, in trouble. You know, so this is how I was labeled to this foster people. So when I got there, that's all I was. So 
I was like, oh my God, are are you are you serious? Are you serious? You know, um, because they would look at me like I'm nothing. I'm nothing but that. So I was like, Jesus Christ, you know. So her boyfriend, um, she would leave and take her kids. I remember her having one um, dischallenged child, uh, a mental child, that she would leave upstairs, and I would have to watch her, um, uh, watch the girl. She didn't do much, but I had to watch her while they go and shop and do little things and get things. And this drunk boyfriend will always call me down in the basement and and everything and um, make me perform sex with him. And if I didn't, either he going to rape me, and if I say something, they're not going to believe me. Because don't forget, they said I was a liar. They said I was a troubled child. They said I was all these things. So I started believing that, you know, okay. Now I go again in another home of abuse, of sexually abuse. So to me at this time it was rape because I, I would try to hold my legs together and fight so he would use force and take it. So that was rape to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, this is when I first experienced rape when I was going on 13 years old. Um, and it will happen. It will happen, and it will happen practically every other day. So did I'm you, did you um, were you comfortable? How was your relationship with the person that you were living with at the time, or was it kind of situated like you were just grateful to have a place, a roof over your head, and but and when you run into this, same thing over again, then you say, Okay, I need to tell, you know, I need to tell. Yes. I I I I did talk to her one time. Um she was going to church. Um mm-hmm. and she's getting her kids ready. And mm-hmm. I don't know why she wouldn't take me to church. It was like cuz I had to be the babysitter for this mental challenge child. Mm-hmm. Um cuz they never wanted to take her out. And one day I walked in the room and I asked her, Can I please go to church with her? I didn't want to stay here um, anymore because I was scared. And she was like, what is you scared of? You know, I said, I'm just scared. I don't, your boyfriend, he, he do things. And why did I say that? I got slapped so hard where, I'm telling you, I thought my jaw was dislocated. That's how hard she slapped me. I remember hitting that dresser. Um, so hard where I fell down, and I my whole face was swollen on that side. And she told oh. me if I ever, ever say something like that again, they will find my they will never find my body. That's what she said. What? I, they will never find my body. And I'm looking at this lady like I'm scared as heck now for real. And she's on her way to church. <laughs> she's on her way to church. And if anything do happen to me, I deserve it. She didn't have to take me in, and I better be grateful because nobody wanted me. Nobody wants me. Do you think that she felt like you were lying? Because keep in mind the social workers had told them that you were a liar and a troubled child. So Uh, do you think that? In a way, I, I believe she believed that. In a way, I believe that. 
she knew, but she didn't care. Mm-hmm. As long as it wasn't none of her daughters. Okay. That's what I, I would always say because she was always taking her girls. She would never leave them girls there with him. Only okay. me and the mental challenge child. Mm-hmm. So, okay. you know. So how did you go about, did you, were you the one that pursued trying to get out of their home into another home? What was that process like? Or did they just come get you and say, okay, we got another home or what have you? How did that, you know, how did that process go? Well, this is how this happened. And I remember in Canton, Ohio, um, it went on for two years now. It went on for two years because I was with this lady for two years, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, she, was, um, she would dress me up looking good when the social people come and do their visits. I would mm-hmm. look my hair combed. My, I got new clothes on, new shoes, looking swifty. And, mm-hmm. and I, even got to, I even got to have the room with the girls. You know, I didn't even sleep in that room. I slept in this um, little, I, I guess you call it like the um, closet or where you put um, your storage toilet paper. They kept all the cans, all this stuff. So it was a, a nice-sized little closet, but you can have a, a, a little twin mattress there, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I had to go, you know. But when they come, I, I was dressed up and looking nice and, and, you know, I don't know why I accepted it, but I felt like, you know, I was happy. I, mm-hmm. I Regardless of what the pain was there, I, I found a peace in just being happy in myself of being, you know, I don't know. I, I, right now to this day, I can't even explain it, but to just be dressed up, it, it felt good. It felt something good, whether it was mm-hmm. the early or what, it just felt good because she never gave me nothing. And one day, I remember this is when I, um, like I said, it happened for two years, almost close to two years. I remember I was almost going on 14 years old. I was like 14. And I remember um, her getting upset I with her daughter stealing money out of her purse and blaming it on me. And I remember this woman um, get ready to come over there and when she started trying to choke me and saying I was a lion, I better say something and all of this crazy stuff. And I remember her son telling her to stop, you know, stop, stop. And then she got her kids and she left. And she told her boyfriend, I remember this too, to this day, told her boyfriend, you can do whatever you want with her. And when she said that, I knew it's get ready to go crazy up in here. But this is a day that I gained to fight for my life. And I, I had got a butcher knife because I'm always washing the dishes. And I remember grabbing a butcher knife and said, this time I'm going to defend myself at all costs. I'm a little older, so I'm a little stronger than I was when I first got here. And I remember um, taking a little knife with me um, upstairs, and he started calling me down to this basement. And I was like, oh, God, I do not want to go down there. You don't come down here. I'm do this to you. I'm do that to you. Um, and I knew I had to put the clothes in the washer because I had to wash for her, wash everybody's clothes. So I knew I had to do that or I'll get in trouble. So I go downstairs, but I took my little knife. I took my knife with me, 
And I remember him telling me to come here. And I told him no. And he walked over to me, and he was getting ready to hit me with his belt. And what he did, I cut him on his leg. And when I cut him on his leg, I ran. I knew I was going to get in trouble anyway, so I had to. I ran away. I ran. I just ran. I ran. I ran. Of course, you know, the, they caught up with me, and they put me in juvenile because um, the story was that he told me to wash clothes, and I got smart with him and um, started saying little things, and I just cut him. So they put me in a detention home for bad kids. And I had to go there until it was time to go to the group home again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Um, and then, so when you went to the next home, so uh, you didn't stay at the other homes long because it was a total of 23. Because by this yes. time, you were, what, 14 or 15? Uh, yes. And I ended up in another foster home. And. I, I ended up in pretty much because at this time I was a bad child. I'm not going to tell you. I, I was rebellious. I hated everything. I hated the world. I hated God. This man they called God, I hated everybody because I felt my I, I got cheated out of my life. My I didn't know where my brother, he was in and out of prison all the time. Um, never got to see him. Never, you know, my mother at this time was living in New York with my little sister, so I never got to see her. So I just kept running away, and every time you run away, um, you get placed in another home. So when you go to this home, you get placed in another home. You know, so where it ended up, 23 foster homes, where mm-hmm. out of three foster homes, I can only say three were good. And out of the other ones, I was being raped. Um, you know, I call rape after a certain age. I call it rape. I was just being repeatedly raped. I, I call it molesting when I was a child. And when I was older and I'm fighting you and I'm saying no, I call mm-hmm. it rape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, let me ask you this. Do you think that the uh, system knows that these things are going on? And the only yeah. reason why I ask you that is because, you know, like you said, when you run away, they send you to another home. Yep. You know. Yep. You know, I believe that they did, but because they have so much of a high rate of children um, Mm -hmm. in foster homes, they just Mm -hmm. look at a place to place you and hurry to out of this case. Just a minute. Let me, we're we're hearing some noise in the background, and we can have some people to uh, mute their phones. Go ahead, Ms. Arlena. Yes. Um, I believe he did because I had a social worker that I told that I was pretty much open with about things because she was like, what's wrong, Erlena? Why why you run away so much? And I said, you know what I told you what they be doing to me, and you just don't do nothing about it. It's like you don't record it. You don't put it down. You don't do anything. You know, I think sometimes they Okay, we're we're hearing someone's whole conversation in the yeah. background yeah. about a PR. <laughs> so we can have someone to mute their phone. Who's top performers, who's this, who's in line next for promotion? 
Chris name. Maybe you can mute them on whoever did the calls if they can mute everybody until time. Okay. Pastor Coffin, if you could uh mute uh them out this it's kind of distracting. Okay. Yes, okay. Okay, And I believe they did because, like I said, when I did explain, and and I met a lot of, I met a lot, a lot of women and a lot of young men that have been through this, and I know that they knew something because everybody is going to come up and say they've been raped or they've been molested or daddy raped them or um, stepfather raped them or uncle raped them or neighbor raped them or molested them. It, it was so many. I ran across so many men in all these homes that the stories weren't just everybody got together and made them up. So I believe the system did. But like I said, because of the high uh, rate of foster children, they mm-hmm. just turn an ear or just place you, in, you know, period. Because mm-hmm. I, oh. I always blame the system for what I went through. Because mm-hmm. start telling them that all they want to do well, she she has mental issues. I w- I was diagnosed of mental issues, bipolar, um, all kind of suicidal. I ain't never been bipolar in my life. Okay, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you are label all these things because they just want to give you medication when you're young. Just I was on um, all kind of antidepressants and. Mm-hmm. Different kind of medications, and because they will sit there and say, "Do you talk to yourself? Do you hear voices? Do you this?" I say, "Yeah, I talk to myself. I talk and say, Nisi, one day you're gonna get out of this. One okay. day you can be okay. So when you say that, they consider you as mental." Oh wow! Are you yes. just trying to encourage yourself, give yourself <laughs> some encouraging words yes. along the yes. way. Yes, and I and I wasn't a liar, so. I would tell them until one day a lady told me, don't tell them you hear voices. Don't tell them you're talking to yourself. And I was like, that's lying, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I would tell them, yes, I do talk to myself. Yes, I do, because it was like I felt God was talking to me. At the mm-hmm. time I didn't know it was God, I say, and it was God. He, he, I, I say, yes, someone do talk to me and let me know that I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. They are protecting me. Well, who is it? I don't know who it is. Well, do you talk to yourself? Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Have you ever said you wanted to kill yourself? Yes, I did. I want to kill myself plenty of times because I feel like I'm not loved by nobody. I feel like I hate myself. I feel like I'm troubled. So because I say these things, they want to put medication in you or label you as a dysfunctional mental health person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not wow. looking at the issue of the being raped, being molested, being abandoned, being rejected, being beat, being put down. They didn't look at none of that. Okay. So you um, just up and decided, you know what, I'm so tired um, yes. was your state of mind like, okay, the only way for me to get out of this is get married, you know? Because yes. I know that, that, okay, and that happened, um, how did that have, uh, how did that, you know, you guys come to that conclusion? I came to the conclusion, I ended up 17 years old, um, and I knew the system, I ended up pregnant. Um, I ended up pregnant with my daughter, and mm-hmm. I, I 
sat there, and I was 17 at the time, and I said, you know what, they're going to take my daughter, and she's going to go through the same things that I went through. I met this young man. He wasn't the baby father, but I met this young man that liked me, and he had his mother, um, <laughs> his mother, I love her to death, and uh, I love that woman to death today, but I guess they called this a love home. Um, but I would go over there and visit all the time, and I would hear this woman call her kids bees, holes, black bees, holes, you MF call her son, all kind of names. But this was a normal living for them because she was a mother that took care of her children, a single mother. So I, I kind of grew to love them, and, and me and him um, got together, we decided, and I told his mom what was happening. He took me to an older sister house, and they decided that me and him get married because if I don't, the social services is going to take my daughter because I'm only 17 years old. Mm-hmm. So I didn't love the boy then. You know, we just was good friends, you know, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. helped me out, you know, because I was running away a lot. So I was a runaway at this time. So. You know, I, I was a runaway. He hid me over his sister's house, hid me. His mother, none, they fed me. They helped me out. So we ended up getting married. And and he, uh, I married him. And later, me and him had two children. So I ended up with three kids at the age of 20 years old. Okay. And um, so when you guys were born... What you how long, Yeah. Um, how long were you guys together before you guys, you know, before your next chapter had came, you know, your it, well uh, on your journey? Um, well, we stayed married for a good um probably no about four years, four and a half, five mm-hmm. years. Um mm-hmm. my son was um three and my other one was one and my daughter was six. She was five. She was five years old at the time. And me and him would fight all the time. Um, he, Like I said, when we got together, he he, he was a, a young man in a, that um, cheated all the time, messed with all kind of women. And um, I felt that he was not respecting me. And I felt like, you know, I wasn't going anywhere. He wasn't working. And I felt like I'm not going to raise my kids in the projects and this is not a life that I want for them. I don't want them where seeing us fighting all the time. I want them to have better than what I had. So at the time, I ended up leaving him, um, meeting another young man, <laughs> thinking it was going to be better on the other side and decided to go ahead and, because this guy was buying me everything. He was helping me out while my my husband was always out there on the street um, messing with different women, have, making them pregnant, having babies, and by other women, I ended up with another guy, me and my three children. Um, and this guy was abusive. He, he was um, physically abusive. Um, the first year was good. The first year was good when I moved in with him. Um, he taught me into moving in with him and... Um, and then the abuse came, um, the abuse, the the serious abuse where he would beat me 
um, pretty bad. Um, put a gun to my head, put a gun in my mouth, and to make me perform sexual things on him um, that I did not want to do. Um, and it came very abusive, very abusive, where I felt my life was in danger. This is the time that I started really praying um, mm-hmm. after, uh, to deliver me. I, did, I was too scared to leave because um, I was very scared of him. He It seems like he's really crazy. Um, um, I remember in the bathroom, locking myself in the bathroom, he'd break in the door down and, and putting a gun to my head and saying, if I leave him, he'll kill me and my children. He, one day he said, he'll go in the room and he'll shoot all my kids and watch me um, watch me do it and stuff. He'll have me watch him do it and, um, and all of this. And I said, this man might really do this to me and my kids. And I remember praying, um, God, please help me, you know, please deliver me out of this. And um, I, I don't know how to get out, but I need you to please help me. And I thought I was being punished for um, leaving my husband, a cheating husband. So I felt, you know, I'm, I'm no better. So I I'm committed adultery because I moved in. So maybe this was my punishment. So I had to know that I needed to talk to God and ask him to forgive me and help me out of this. And um. It's sad that this young man had to lose his life, but um, he was murdered. The the night that I prayed to God um, that I wanted to be released, and I thought that I would never be away from this guy or either I'm going to have to um, kill him or he's going to kill me. Well, he was murdered by his own sister's boyfriend, and, and that's how I was able to be delivered out of that relationship. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. And that's I'm delivered. Okay. So okay. Now this time, um, we move on. Um, after me and after he passed away, I felt I was free. This is the time that I wanted to get my life right. I started going to nursing school, um, to become somebody at this time to depending how old were you at this time? I was um the age of twenty five, going on twenty six. Okay. I said it was time for me to start thinking about a life for my children, a better life for my kids, instead of dealing with a guy. Because um, before that, like I said, this guy wasn't a good guy. He was a drug dealer. He wasn't right. You know, this is where he was getting all this money to wine and dine me, you know. Mm-hmm. So at this point in time, I wanted to better my life. I'm lo- I looked around my life and said, I don't want my children to end up the way that I ended up. And if I don't make a positive decision in my life, I'm going to be just like my mom. That's what I thought. And at this time, either I was going to be like my mom or I was going to be like my father. My father was an alcoholic. And I said, I don't want my children to go through this because I never drank. I never smoked. I never got high in my life. I had a casual glass of wine. Um, that's what I can say that I'd done. But I never drank. I never smoked. I never smoked cigarettes. I never drank or none of that because I was scared of it because I felt that if I do this, I, I would be able to. Huh? Can I say something? Oh, yes. Pass the carpet. Okay. Yeah, I think that is beautiful, and I think that's good for anyone on the line. Um, that is going through something that you didn't reach out to any other substance 
you know, something drama has happened in their life, and they went to that drug or that alcohol to um, make as a substitute for what they were going through. To suppress their pain. Yeah. And it's good to hear someone, you know, talk about that. Oh, no, I didn't go to none of them. You know what I'm saying? But um, to hear that it wasn't one of them vices there that Mm -hmm. decided to, to try to escape to from your reality. Yes. Yeah. No, I ne- I never did. I now I complicated. I I I wanted to commit suicide. You know, I was suicidal when I was young, on and off, wanting to take a bunch of pills and just end my life. But no, I never, ever, um, you know, because I I I didn't want to lose my mind in the midst of that. So I figured if I got high, I was going to be like people I seen. Or if I drank, I would be like my tag of alcoholic or end up on being a prostitute. I always thought if I did substance or anything that entered my body that I wouldn't act like a normal person. And I had children, and I had to make right decisions for them. So, uh, may I ask a question, please, Bishop Jenkins? Yes. How yes. did you learn to pray? Where did I learn to pray is from my grandmother. Um, I used to watch her um, in the living room praying to God all the time. And I used to mimic her when I go in the room and things happen to my uncle. I'm like, well, if grandma pray for um, the lights to stay on or food on the table, maybe I can pray that God stop these uncles from touching me. So that's where I – and I said maybe one day – he will answer me. He wasn't answering me then, so I said, if I keep it up, maybe he will answer me. So that's wow. where I learned how to pray. Wow. Okay, you you was like Jacob then. You was going to hold on till he bless you. Yes, I was going to hold on. I said, one day he's going to hear me. One day he gets to hear me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I I am just. So, you know, because there's a whole nother piece to this story. Because yeah. at this point, you're just 25. Your journey with that didn't really end to 39. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Um, after that, at, like I said, after I finished, I went on to nursing school. I ended up um, finishing nursing school. I decided to, um, my brother was murdered. At this time, I went into a deep depression um, because my brother was murdered. And, you know, I love my brother. He always That's all you had, pretty me. much. Yeah. He's the only one I had that would protect me and love me and never hurt me. And when he got murdered, um, I went into a deep depression where I wasn't even caring for myself or my children. And I had a good cousin that would come over and talk to me and say, Nisi, you got to pull it. That's what they nicknamed me, Nisi. Um, but my name is Erlina, but they nicknamed me Nisi. The pull through, you know, I got a lot to live for. If something happened to your to you, what's going to happen to your children? And that's what made me snap out and say, you know what? I started thinking about me. Every time I, I think about my children, I thought about my past. If something do happen to me, they would end up in the same boat that I went through, and I never wanted them to go through that. 
So I ended up um, moving, relocating, getting my life together, and I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I was diagnosed with cancer, um, and I was only like 27, 28. I was diagnosed with cancer, um, very ill, chemo, radiation treatment. I went through the whole nine yards, and at this time, my real mother, this is when she reached out to me. My real mother reached out to me. Well, <laughs> didn't know she was planning something that she was wanted to take out an insurance policy because um, the doctors gave her like six months that I would live because of the type of cancer I had. Um, it had went to my, I had like brain cancer, brain cancer. Um, mm. And where it was making my vision go, um, I couldn't eat. I was losing weight, hair falling out. Um, so she had me come to New York to Strong Memorial Cancer Hospital. It's supposed to be one of the best um, cancer hospitals in the, in the states, in period. So I went there and, and I went on and, and trust her with me and my children, and we went to New York, and I ended up in the cancer hospital for like three months for treatments and everything. And then one day, after a year of being there, I went to the doctor. They couldn't find any cancer nowhere. They couldn't find any cancer anyway. Anywhere in my body they did. I went to like four or five doctors because I couldn't believe it, you know, because I'm like, wait a minute. I, I was I couldn't eat. I had lost weight. My hair was falling out. I was on treatments like crazy. The doctors had already gave up to you know, and my mother, she was the, she wasn't a mother, you know, she just used us for money. Just for money and she was still abusive mentally and and then she started being mentally abusive to my my son, you know, and and everything, calling them out their names and you know, just really, you know, being evil to them. So, um, and then she was still was trying to prostitute me. My mother was trying to prostitute me to, at that age, sick and sick as a dog, wanting me to sleep with her friends and, and different, her husband's brothers for money. It, it was really crazy. So when I did get that report from the Lord and he um, at the doctors that I didn't have cancer anymore, I hurried up and got my children, and we got out of there. We got out of New York, and I went went back to Ohio. And when I went back to Ohio, now this, I'm ending up at age of, whoo, Jesus, I was like, I think I was like close to 30. Um, I was doing good, working as a nurse, taking care of my children, and one day, I I was just cooking, and um, I was 30, I think I was 35, I'm sorry, I was about 30, almost 35, and I ended up in a coma. Um, I was cooking, and and I passed out. I had a severe asthma attack, and no one found me. I went to take my medicine, and I think the pill logged up in my lung, and no one was around, and, and I couldn't breathe, and I stopped breathing. And I ended up in a three-month coma, a three-month coma. And they had told my whole family that um, there was no hope. 
uh, I was brain dead. Um, even if I come out of the coma, I would still be brain dead. Um, at this time, I have pictures, um, everything. You know, they took pictures. I kept these pictures as a memory, as a testimony. Um, they had told my children. They had told my my mother. They had told um, my grandmother, everybody that, um, to prepare for a funeral because I wasn't going to, you know, I was dead. I was dead. It was just the machines keeping me alive. Um, I ended up in a coma New Year's Eve. I woke up from the coma March the 21st. And when I woke up, I woke up with my right mind. I knew my children. I knew everything around me. The last thing I do remember when I woke up out of the coma only about Christmas that I had a camcorder. And I couldn't talk, so I had to write because the trachs and stuff was in my throat. So I had to write X and then where's my camcorder because that's the last event that I remember going in the coma. And they, you know, right there, I, I knew God, God had a big plan. God had a big plan for me. God had a big plan. There's no way I made it through a lot of stuff like this and still with my right mind. And, you know, everybody started coming in. The doctors, he brought other doctors. They started taking pictures. It was in the newspaper that, like, I was a miracle child to them because there's no way. I had no brain activity, no nothing, no sense of living. Um, my body was so swollen with fluid. They just said my kidneys, everything was shutting down and gradually. So kind of sort of like the um, Bobby Christina situation was. Yes, yes, okay. and, and and you know when I thought about her, I I really said if God wants for that young lady to live, she's gonna live, um, because I I would write just to encourage them, um, because I went through that, I went through that, I went through all of that, and it brought back memories for me to stand up and continue praising God, even through her situation, I was praising God because he he sees fit for me to still be here. For me to still be here, then that's when I knew I was loved. I didn't know I was loved until I came out of that coma. I knew my yeah. children loved me. I knew you saw God move, but I never knew God really loved me. I thought He hated me. That's why I went through so much at first. But when I woke mm-hmm. up out of coma, I said, "God loves me," because there's no way He brought me through all this, and I still have my right mind. And yeah. no, no way, no way. And after that, I, I, after I woke up out of the coma, ended up in the process. They told me that I was going to have to go to rehab to learn how to walk and talk and feed myself. I never went to rehab. I went straight home. My daughter was graduating. My daughter was graduating at this time, and I was there to see my baby graduate. I was in a wheelchair, but. I never, I walked on my own, well, with God. I walked with God. It was no rehab for me. They told me I would have to go to rehab for at least six months. I went straight home. I was cooking. I stood up at my daughter's graduation. I walked. I stood up out of a wheelchair and walked to hug my daughter. And I'm telling you right then and there, it was history. I was saying I'm going to. I'm going to run on for God for the rest of my life, right at that time. I dedicated my life totally to God. I allowed the Spirit to live within me. I received the Holy Spirit. I lived for God, and I kept running on for God. 
Now I found a church I loved, and I believed in my pastor. I believed everything this pastor would say. I might have not been book smart by reading the Bible like I needed to. Mm -hmm. I would just read little scriptures every now and then, but I would just go to church. And this is where I failed because I didn't study the word for myself. I only believe what man say, what the word say. I listened to them. I never studied for myself. I might have read only in church, but I would come home, put my Bible to the side, and and continue my daily days, you know, Mm -hmm. my week until Sunday in Bible study. That's the only time I picked up the Bible, you know, and that's where I felt weak at. That's where I felt short at because I was not studying for myself to show myself I was not studying to know exactly what God really was saying. I only believe in man. And not that man don't know the word and, and don't, because there's a lot that tells the truth. But at this time, God say, we still in this flesh, regardless of what it is, we still in this flesh, no matter what. And we have to study for ourselves as well. So I just believed this pastor. I ended up in a church. I believed this pastor. I loved the church. I was invited by a friend that I met. So I ended up in this church, and I loved it. I started working in the church um, with the usher board, the youth. Um, I was loving it. And I met a minister in the church. He, um, The pastor was about to ordain him um, as a minister. And I remember them telling him that he, I remember them telling him that when he become a minister, he got to start um, getting him a wife and stuff like this. So one day he invited me over for to watch a Christian movie. And, you know, I, I never wanted to be with a guy, I don't care who it was, um, alone sometimes, especially if I really didn't know you because of my past. Mm-hmm. I, didn't want to be alone with men. I, I wasn't delivered from that yet at this point. I still wasn't delivered from my past, so I didn't trust men like that. But I was told that a whole group of the Christians was going to be at his house. And we all was going to be able to watch this Christian movie. So I said, okay, I'll go. So when I got there, um, nobody was there but me. So I kind of got kind of scared. So I had to talk to myself. I was like, come on, God, I I shouldn't feel that way. He's not like the guys in the world. He's a saved man. So I know the saved man ain't going to do nothing to me. These was guys that didn't have God. They would do something to you. So I had to psych myself, believe that he was a man of God and that he would not harm me. Well, um, as we sat, as he invited me in, sat me down, he asked me what I like something to drink, and I was like, well, where is everybody at? He started telling me that people had decided not to come or they were coming. He told me some was coming, some decided not to because they've seen the movie already, but some still coming. Just have a seat, get comfortable. I'm going to get you something to drink. So he went in there and got me something to drink. And when he gave me something to drink, I started drinking it, and it was some type of new drink. Um, they had out, and I was drinking it, um, and I started feeling lightheaded. I started feeling sick to my stomach, and I started feeling the room spinning, everything looking weird, and next thing I know, 
I woke up with my clothes off. I woke up with my clothes off where this man had raped me. And the only words I heard only words I heard him say was God God said that you was my wife and you was my wife all he said. And I I was still dizzy, I was still lightheaded, but I knew what happened to me and all I can think of is hurry up and grab my clothes, get them on, and get the heck out of there. Get out of there. So at this time, I shut down. I shut down from the church. I didn't want to go to church anymore. I shut, I went home, took a shower. I cried, and I cried because I couldn't believe that a man of God would take advantage of me, not somebody that served God in the church would hurt me. and. I just shut down because I couldn't even trust things of God. I was looking like, God, you're a joke. This this can't mm. something's wrong. It's like you're playing Russian roulette with my life. You know, why, what the world going on? So I just shut down. And a sister of the church visit a couple of weeks later, and she was just telling me that they missed me in church. Why wasn't I in church? And I told her I didn't want to be in, you know, I didn't want to go there no more. And she started talking about we need to pray. I told her I don't want none of y'all to pray for me. At this time, I didn't want to be bothered with none of them. I felt that they all set me up or something. And she allowed me to trust her to talk to her. So I ended up telling her what happened. And she looked at me like, Y'all had sex? I'm, and I'm looking at her like, she's crazy. I just told you this man raped me. I ain't have no sex with him. So she's telling me that I need to repent and just talk to the pastor, tell the pastor what happened. The only he gonna, thing he's going to do is sit me down for a little while. I won't be able to work in the church for sinning. And all it is, like, it's my fault. And I'm looking at her like, she's crazy. So she finally realized that I was telling her that I actually was raped by this minister of the church. And she said, well, I'm going to set up a meeting with the pastor and let him, and I want you to talk to him and tell him everything you just told me because we're going to have to handle this situation as this minister of the church. So I trusted her, and she picked me up. That she made the appointment the day before church, Saturday, on a Saturday. I trusted her. Nobody knew what happened to me because I was too, I just didn't want to tell anybody. At this time, I was ashamed. I, I, I felt ashamed. And, and we went to the church, and we had the meeting. And, oh, Jesus. And I remember going to the office the pastor's office, and the guy that raped me, the minister, was there. At this time, I got very upset because I'm like, what the heck is he doing here? I thought me, we was going to talk to the pastor alone. You know, what is he doing here? The pastor told me to come on in, have a seat. He started quoting scriptures to me, telling me about um, we're not allowed to go to the world um, on the Christians, um, telling me that um, this man wants to marry me. He just went 
it wasn't rape. He just got too excited of me becoming his wife, and he just did what he did. And he started telling me about, you know, bringing every, he was showing me every scripture. Now, like I said, at this time, I wasn't studying my Bible, so I believe everything a man of God, the pastor, would say. He started telling me, since we had sex, and he done came into me, I'm his, I'm his wife anyway. So regardless of without paperwork or whatever, I'm still, in God's eye, I'm this man's wife. And that if I don't marry him since I had sex, me and my kids will burn in hell. So <laughs> I'm so, I, I, I'm telling you, I believed it because I wasn't studying. I didn't know. And I'm sitting here like, oh, my God, now you're telling me this man is my husband. You're telling me if I say anything, I can get in trouble with God. You're telling me because he raped me, I'm going to burn in hell, me and my children. Now you're telling me I got to be obedient to the man that has rule over my life because you are the pastor, so you're in charge of me. You're my leader. And if I don't respect you or obey what you tell me to do next, then I'm out of order and God's going to turn me over to a reprobate mind mm. if I don't listen to you. And I'm sitting here scared now because now I have no one. I don't trust anybody in the world. So what do I have left but these people of God? And why would the pastor lie to can me I, about the word of God? Can I ask you a question? Yes. Uh, at any time at the beginning of you becoming a part of this church, did you let anybody know um, what kind of life you came out of? Yes, the pastor. The pastor knew. So he knew the before. Can I ask you, wait a minute. He knew before all this happened, or did he know yes. after that? No, he knew before all this happened. Yeah, but he set you up. Yeah, they knew you were gullible. And that yes. man, that minister found an interest in you. Yes. 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 And, yes. and they seen the they the vulnerability in you. Yes. Well, and, he he told me I'm not you. That's why they pushed it back. Yes. Yeah. That they could make you feel that it was your own fault. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they saw how trustworthy you were mm-hmm. with them, and to go to a man's house is something else. And for to go to your video, why we can't see yeah. the and you never questioned none of this. And you win. No, I didn't. No, I, I didn't. I, I'm only, I'm only marrying, uh, putting a mirror on what happened to you. Yeah. As a, as a pastor, as a young minister, I got caught up in a situation where we they used to have Bible study at different people's houses, and one mm. night, this lady one said they was having at her house, and I came, and I'm sitting there, and nobody was showing up, and I'm like, where everybody at? And she said, well, mm. let me go in the back. I'll be right back out. Some of my spirits said, this ain't right. I got up, got my car, and drove. Mm. Oh, <laughs> that lady, yeah. when I was leaving, she was coming <laughs> out of the back with a negligee on. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. God. Oh, my God. So, you know, <laughs> I was listening to your story. You know, yeah. You know, the more I listened to it, they saw how vulnerable you were. Yes, yes. 
Yeah. And and I you know what? I know that and I believe that today you know, today after everything was over with that marriage ended up they made us get married. Um the the pastor went and brought the license and everything and had me marry this man, paid for my other divorce and made me marry this man, told us to keep it a secret for a while and <laughs> Jesus. It is a blessing to what you're saying because anyone on this line that's young um, need to know that's why the Word of God says study to show yourself a fool. Yeah. Rightly dividing the Word of God because once that's you know the Word of God, people can't trick you with the Word of God. That's right. That's right. You know, I find uh, as women or men, there's certain people that look to take advantage of people because of the, the lack of knowledge that they have of the Word of God. And they will make you feel bad and have you do something like she's saying that, to do that ain't according to God's will. That ain't according to God's word. But made her, they read that to you and made you feel um, real bad that you were going to go to hell. Yeah, 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 they did. So I, I just wanted to say that I think that that that's a blessing to someone on the line. To, yeah. If they ain't been studying their word, they need to study their word as they deal. And, and yeah. you know, the other thing that you gave us right there, that to let us know that the church is not, is not a place that is a place that you got to keep your guards up like you in the world, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because, because if, if you didn't trust so much in them being godly people, you would have kept your guards up like you did with early. That's right. That's right. That's right. You went to that man's house, and after a while, nobody's showing up, but you let your guard down to be with godly people, and you just figured they wouldn't do what the world does. And, and I, heard her, I, I heard her say she told herself, this is a man of God. And she yeah. had already convinced her own mind that he wasn't going to do anything. Yeah, 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 and I did. It lets anybody on the line know that we as men of God and leadership, we in the flesh too. Mm. And you know, just because a a person got a title or a person of God doesn't mean that they don't work out of their flesh sometimes too. That's right. That's right. And and Sister Erlina uh, has a movie uh, based on this story, and it's yes. called Angry Tears. And it's, gonna, it's showing, at a, as a matter of fact, via Internet pay-per-view. And yes. uh, it's showing now. Matter of fact, if anyone wants to get off the phone uh, when when the show is over and tuning in to, um, you know, the uh, her movie and watch her movie, you're welcome to do so. Because it is showing now, and I know I want to see it because, I mean, the breakdown of this journey of yours, Yes, I'm going to tell you, it's something because it can really bless so many people on so many different levels because it helps bring awareness to me, you know, uh, because in life we learn something new every day. When you get to a point where you are know-it-all, then I feel sorry for you, you know, 
I always, as I was growing up myself, I always tried to learn things. Of course, we have our own journey, but I always tried to learn something from someone else's experience. Someone else's experience is going to teach you something, you know. And, um, you know, it brings awareness. And there's a reason why God allowed us to benefit, you know, because, uh, you know, it's just so many things you know, so much and so many people have experienced so many things. And it's yes. time for uh, her message to get out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. So true. So true. Yes. I, I just want to say, you know, after that, I was forced to marry with this man, um, stay with this man for five years, um, repeatedly felt like he was just, I was nothing but a sex slave to him. Um, um, and God really, I was able to get out of that marriage. Um, the church had turned me back on me. Um, um, and I was able to start doing that marriage. I started studying because let me tell you how God set that up. God set it up where he had me studying the scripture for him to preach in church. He never read the word. I read it for him, and I would do his sermons for him. And wow. I was able to study the word of God and find out the real truth of the word of God. And I thank this man today. I thank him today because I have forgiven everyone that ever done anything against me and ask people to forgive me for doing things against them. But I thank him because he's the reason why I am so educated in the word today and that I'm able to know the difference and have the discernment spirit now that I need from God himself. So I have a question myself. I I want to know, okay, when you have you ran across him since all of this, since you've been, you know, uh, since the hospital incident, since the movie has been out, since the book has been written, since the play has been done, you yeah. run, run across them. And I, I, I'm sensing, yeah. I'm, uh, I feel like he's grown since then. Okay. He brought, he brought the book, and they came to see him, and his new wife came to see the movie. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm just let, but let me say this, okay? Um, yes. Did. Do she know that it was him that, you know, the movie was kind of based on him, your relationship with him, or was it just like, you know, it was a movie that that you guys went to to support you, you know? No, um, he, he, let me tell you, um, his wife came to me way before the movie. Um, She came Mm -hmm. when the book came out. When the book came out, she Mm -hmm. came to my ministry and sat down and talked to me and asked me, was all this true? And I told her yes. And he admitted to her and his aunt that he mm-hmm. did it, that he had yeah. Yeah. He had admitted it himself. You know what, that's very mature of him. And, um, I'm, yeah. uh, you know, I, could, I feel like he's repenting and he's really sorry. Because yeah. even through the movie, he got a chance to see himself because see, maybe he didn't know everything you really had went through already. Yes, yes. And so, I mean, that probably ate him up completely. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's I'm gonna tell you. You know, um, that's pretty deep right there. You know, because for you for you know for you to live that, and then all of a sudden look at how God has you know worked with you and how the transformation has happened and everything is manifesting and you're <laughs> in ministry and you're doing things with in in a form of outreach ministry and he was part of the plan you know yeah you know although it was you know uh you know he probably don't he don't see himself in a good light but That's you know right. uh, I'm I'm thinking that now at this point in his life He's very serious. Yes, 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 yes. I, 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 I can really witness that because you mm-hmm. know um, we're not best friends, and you know we talk, but if when we see each other, there's no animosity. Right, right. No animosity. Okay. Okay. And what about the pastor, the overseer, the pastor, the senior pastor of the church? Well. The pastor is still the pastor. <laughs> okay. Okay. But the past, but the pastor, his wife, um, she had embraced me. She has embraced okay. me. She had purchased my book. Um, mm-hmm. she has congratulated me on my movie. Now he mm-hmm. has never um he's still the pastor is still in denial. Um, oh wow. Yeah, yeah, he, he's still I'm still not welcome to his church. Oh wow. Um, Are you not welcome there? No, I'm not allowed to be in it. They took a restraining order just so I wouldn't come in it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. When was this? At what point of time was this? Well, you will see in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> you watch yeah. the movie, you'll see why they took the restraining order because I did confront the spirit. Okay, so and tell them where to be able to see the movie yet because I know I want to the movie is on um, www. stage stage seven entertainment. dot com stage seven seven the number seven yes entertainment. dot com yes and if everybody okay. is all um, um, your Facebook friend I'm putting the link on there. Okay, okay. And you're going to take my wall? Yes. Okay, so they just click on there, and yes. from there, they, um, and the, can, and it's they click $5. on Angry Tears? Yes, and it's only five ninety nine. Okay. Um, about $5.99 to watch the movie. Okay. And you can watch it all day, you know, so there's no... Um, Pacific time. Watch. You can watch it all day long. And how how long will the movie be playing? Until August the sixth. The sixth. Okay. So yeah. uh, stage seven. www. stage the number seven. Entertainment yeah. spelled yeah. out completely right. No, you can just put E N T. Okay, ENT dot com. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So www dot stage the number seven ENT dot com. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 So uh, are you going to take my wallet with it? 
Yeah, I'm getting Okay. Okay. I can't do it through here. Sister Sotomi. Okay. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Look, I, this young lady here, my heart goes out to her. Uh, this is Dr. Jenkins. Uh, hey, doctor. What's up with you, baby? What's up? I just want to share with her today that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and those who are called according to his purpose. God has been in this plan all along. He has had a purpose for her life. And tell her, do not be dismayed, for truly her best is yet to come. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So much. Hi, Mama. Hi, Mama. Okay. I tagged you now. I just put it on your wall now, sweetie. Okay, I'm going to share it. Okay. All right. Okay. So um, today, congratulations uh, on everything with your uh, movie and everything showing up. Thank you, sweetie. And also, if they also want the book, the book is called Angry Tears now on Amazon.com, and the book is called Angry Tears. And it got more than a movie because you know you're only allowed to put so much in a movie, Um, but the book has everything, even things that I didn't discuss um, it's more deeper, you know, I went through some things and touched some bases, but the book has everything, but the movie pretty much has a lot as well, but the book has the whole story. Okay. So um, the movie is, how long is it now at this point, the runtime? Um, probably an hour and about 40 minutes. Okay, okay. So it's an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay, and uh, it's going to be showing from, uh, actually, it started yesterday, right? Yes, it started yesterday till August the 6th. Okay, okay. And it's 24-7. I'll can go. 24-7. Okay, and this is via Internet, you guys. So you can be able to watch the movie. It's five ninety nine, and uh, go to www.stage7ent.com. Dot com and you can be able to watch, you know, um, the words that she was speaking today being brought to life. Okay, so um, we're going to turn it over to Pastor Carpenter. At this point, Pastor Carpenter. Hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> I'll get my little punch in. Okay. Um, we thank God for uh, the woman of God. And before we close out, we do want to, if anybody got any questions, anything they'd like to say to her. Um, and I, I do have some, uh, you know, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. And I'm going to tell you something. I really have so much respect for your ministry. Um, anytime someone can uh, be able to bring an experience like that to life and be able to 
speak on it, and the, I know uh, the more you speak on it, the more stronger you you know you get. But you're blessing someone else, and there's no telling, you know, uh, what this road is going to lead uh, you with this uh, ministry. I mean, you have the book. You know, uh, you have the play and you have the movie and, you know, um, and God is still blessing you in so many other areas. You know, um, I just wish you well because, you know, I know God is in it, you know. And I have, like I said, I have grand respect for your ministry. And I just say keep on keeping on. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I thank everyone for being on listening. Thank you for your prayers. Um, continue praying for me because you know when you have a ministry um, and you have something that God is giving you so powerful to go share with the world, um, you still have them spirit attacking. You still have them spirit. I don't give the devil no credit because he has none here, but the people that's being used by him will come up against you. And I just continue keeping me in prayer because I'm going to continue telling my story all over the world because I know there are so many, many needs out there. Amen. Okay. Amen. Well, we know one thing. He's going to stay on attacking your ministry because um, it, it puts a hole in his, in his little kingdom. His little kingdom works for his, his demonic forces. So it's just about you staying on your job. Keep testifying. Keep letting, letting women know and even men that they can recover. That there is a God that will restore them back, and and that you know, and and just let them know how real God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you, in your story, one time you gave up. You was like, God, how could you let this happen to me? And you didn't want to have nothing to do with the godly people, and you didn't want to have nothing to do with God. But you know, at the end of your story, it was God that brought you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's rare that I do not just not say anything. But in listening to her testimony, I could not do nothing but hold back my tears. It was so heartbreaking to think of a person having to go through such, my God, my God, I commend her. I commend her. I commend her. Thank God. You know, the thing about it is that we all think we've really been through something in our life, and there's some people that have been through some greater things than we've been through and came out. 
Yeah. And we and then when we look at what she been through, we cry over the little stuff that we've been through. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And it makes you think is it just and I I mm-hmm. say that because it just makes us have to know now that there's some people that are that have survived some some more greater things. You know, I, I hate when people look at people and don't understand where they came from to get to where they at. Go to them. You know, and, and we we gotta we gotta be mindful that that somebody you know wherever they come, what they went to go there though. And we go to go God, to that Gave them a had a reason and a purpose in their life. What they went through. Yeah. Again, we we just thank God for you, woman of God. Thanks. We have everybody to please join us back here next Saturday. Um, do do look for the uh, uh the Tanya Ford. Could you put the information for your brother? Uh, uh, um, a movie up on my my Facebook page. How they can go and see the movie on the internet? Can we put that up on the Facebook page? Who you can get? Mm-hmm. Hello, Sakaja Ford. <laughs> Is she there? Yes, I, I will turn it to over. Okay. Hello, Pastor Carpenter. Can you yeah. hear me? I was turning yeah, it over to you. I know you turned it over to me, but I was. Okay. I don't know who got the baby. I don't want to mute you all out. Um, no, but I, I know you turned it over to me, but I was just saying, could we get the information up on your Facebook page? Yes, sir. And put it up on my Facebook page about how to... Yes, sir. I'm going to share it. All right. Thank you. Okay. So, okay. Uh, on the line, just look for the information up on Tanya Ford's uh, Facebook page and I hear y'all that know me. Look up on Reverend David Carpenter. Look up on my page, and you'll be able to see that movie going going this entire month. So um, I think it's a very interesting movie. You know, heard some of the story. Now we need to see how it looks on screen. So let us uh, support our sister and in Christ and um, what she's pouring out for everyone to see about her testimony. With that, we're going to say thank you, woman of God. Uh, I hope you call, I hope we can have you back next week so we can talk about, and anybody that saw the movie can come back and share a little bit about what they saw in your movie. But I Amen. will uh, to the floor to add, probably add a segment in oh, God. a little while. And just find out, and if anyone have any questions or, or or things about the movie and what they saw, they'd be able to um, voice those questions and, and things. To do. Um, again, we ask y'all to please join us here next Saturday at one o'clock. We'll be back on Take the Mask Off with our host, Lady Satanya Ford. Father God, we thank you once again in a mighty way, Father God. Thank you for the woman of God, Father God. Thank you for showing us that you still are God that will bring us up out of anything, Father God. That 
It is nothing too difficult for you to bring us out of, Father God. And the thing about it, we love you because you bring us out in the right mind. And we just thank you, Father God, that you are God to bring us out in the right mind to be able to be a blessing unto your kingdom and a testimony unto your goodness. Mm-mm-mm. When we look back over our life, the song says, Father God, and we think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. I'm a living testimony. We thank you for the woman of God that's a living testimony to the works of, of what your hand can do, Father God. Father God, we ask that everyone has been touched somewhere in their heart to go share this things that they heard today with somebody they may know that is going through something and having a difficult time coming out of what they're going through. Father God, we ask that you be able to touch them and and the people that are on the line and the words that they speak, that they be able to touch and help that person out. Father God, we ask that you open up the Bible and the highway to the woman of God in a mighty way. Father God, let her be a blessing under your kingdom and let the blessing in her life, Father God. And Father God, let her be able to touch some young person and let them know that, that you are there all the time, even while they're going to you, you are still there with them. And we thank you. Father God, we ask you to lift us up, let us prepare us, and let us be ready for tomorrow morning to go into your house. Lift up your gorgeous but glorious name in a mighty way as we go into the sanctuary tomorrow morning, that we may give praises and honor unto you in all that you have done in our life this week. Thank you. We praise you and we exalt you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Again, please join us next week. And we love all of you. And please come back and sit with us and take the mask off with our host, Latanya Ford. Everyone have a Amen. Thank you guys for tuning in. All right.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.